Thanks so much to Pod Plays Podcast, bringing great stories, epic songs, audio dramas that are a movie for your ears. Within each story, you'll discover new and original music by Nashville's top hit songwriters. Visit podplays.com to find the stories, the app, and links to follow Pod Plays on all your favorite social media sites. Yeah, that's a sloth. My kid gave me a whole a Christmas of sloth gifts a number of years ago wow. to celebrate my ability to not really want to move. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that's uh man, that's something that I'm have a problem with as well. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh you should name that sloth Marty, actually. <laughs> okay, well, Marty the sloth, Marty which is the a whole sloth, different yeah. Next podcast you do, if they ask that question, you say, that's Marty the Sloth. <laughs> that's Marty. Don't, we don't talk about Marty. We don't say it's much like about Marty, and Marty don't say much about himself, nor does he move. He does not he move. Doesn't move. He doesn't so move. So don't look at him. <laughs> this is the Marty Ray Project Chats, and I'm Marty Ray, one of the hosts of this podcast. You might know me from a beard video, a prank call, a rap song turned acoustic cover, or hopefully one of my original albums. And I'm Chris Wallen. You might know me from... Where would they know me from again? You might know Chris from number one hit songs like Don't Blink by Kenny Chesney and Something to Be Proud of by Montgomery Gentry. Whether you know either one of us or not, I bet you're going to have fun here. Welcome to the project. Download, subscribe, and rate, whether you love it or not. Sound supplied by Roadcaster Pro. He played the fiddle at age four and opened for Dolly Parton around that time as well. He played that same instrument in the Knoxville Youth Symphony. He laid that fiddle down, not at Johnny's feet, though, and picked up the guitar. I believe it was age 14. I don't know how to help to answer that himself. That's where the original music started to flow, and boy, did it ever flow. He's now a songwriter, singer, player, and legend from the band Sugarland and Billy, P- Billy Pilgrim. Over 22 million records sold. He's won more awards than I have time to list in an intro, so we'll save that for the show. And he's the great-grandson of the man whose baked beans I've been eating my whole life and enjoying, and uh, just had a can this morning, and the, the, the crew is, <laughs> oh, not, we know. is not really enjoying it. So that. angry. It's my new friend, and hopefully at the end of this show, he'll be my cousin, <laughs> just because of the beard alone, Christian Bush. How the heck are you, my friend? I am quite well. I've never had quite that perfect of an introduction. And that's man. I think nope. the sloth should be called and Duke. <laughs> I got to tell you, man, you, you're, you got it. <laughs> Listen. And props for the beard, no no less. We we sell these intros to the person that we interview after the show. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, just, it's all, it all goes... To the show. We it's use it for hustle. the show only. And yeah, I thought right. you were going to say, it goes to a charity, which is the show. Which, which is, is the show. show. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. we can yeah. use it. Well, some people like to better the show. <laughs> yeah. 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 So if you want the show to be better, Christian, you will want to buy that intro and have it playing before your show. You could play it in every arena you play in next. That could be... <laughs> That could be the way I walk on. Yeah, it'd exactly. Be like being, it'd, it'd be like my batting song, and if I was in the Braves, you just come up, and then they, instead of that song, we play that intro. Exactly. Nice, man. After my heart, man. man I knew I loved him. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I knew it, and and uh, you know what? I just realized we never, we never really have, we never showed Jared or intro Jared in a lot of these, even yeah. though he sits here. It's cool. I just kind of float I, over here. 
<laughs> he's just a he's just an. I, a, I wanted to know who he was actually. Well, he's actually a great filmmaker, a producer, podcast guy. He he doesn't produce this podcast. He's just my good friend, and I think one pod, one episode he said he was my best friend, and I really, yeah. that really meant a lot to me, buddy. I love you, man. I love you. Man, it's love fest. Hey, talk to him while I cry for a minute. <laughs> Go ahead. Cry. Don't yeah. <laughs> okay, and, uh, you know okay. what we just did, Christian? We just ate a dog biscuit together, Jerry. Right? <laughs> yeah, we did. They right did. before the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not even a, that's not yeah, even a joke. That's, no, that's the they truth. did eat a dog biscuit. Have you ever had a dog biscuit? <laughs> was it a, was it a dare or was it like? No, I, I hey went. Man, this dog biscuit this, with peanut butter is better than no. It was there was. Yesterday. I wish there was peanut butter. We were in the studio and they have a little crafty area in the back, and so uh, but then I opened it up and there were some dog biscuits up there and they seemed to be organic, and so I just grabbed the one that looked like it was brown and I walked over to Marty and I was like, "Hey man, you want a cookie?" And he just like took it and took a bite of it and then I grabbed it and I figured, well, heck, if he's gonna take a bite of it, I might as well too. So I broke a piece off and ate it and I was like, "All right." I, I like how you said, "Well, it's organic." I mean, it's, I don't know what that has to do. With I don't know what that has to do. You know, I'm saying, like, dude, I wasn't gonna eat this dog one biscuit. level of, of, of assurance that this might be okay. He said, it, "Well, it seemed organic. It seemed organic. <laughs> That's what they say before they release the organic produce." It seems organic. Organic bone meal. I think it's organic. It's like, you see the tag, it says, organic, we think. We don't know. Organic-ish. Yeah. I uh, needless it. to say, it wasn't terrible. Uh, it tasted like a uh, like a really multi-grain um, wheat thin. No, it was terrible. And it was a lot worse than that. Christian, I was he, he he offered it this way. He he said, "You want a chocolate cookie?" And I go, "Yeah, I knew it was a dog bone. It's in the shape of a dog bone." So I was like, "Yeah, of course I would." Just bit it like I was just going to chew it as if, as if nothing, as if nothing was different to me. And I was like, "That's a great cookie," right. but I couldn't, I couldn't keep the straight face or from almost vomiting. <laughs> But here's the Do guy guys- with the palate that can stand uh, oyster snot. So of course he can. Oysters are it. amazing. Christian, you like oysters? Oysters are good. I have to say, oh. I, I got converted. Raw oysters? So, Chris, Christian? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What happened See, to us? Come on. <laughs> Cultures. It, it does something to the beard, man. It's like beard oil. Oh, man. Oh, oh dude. man. I didn't think well, about that. I've but never... I will say this. Do you, do you guys prank each other all the time? Is this like an ongoing thing? Are you good at them? We don't. We should more. It, it does happen sometimes. It's, it's hard to we, prank me because of what I just said. He, he might have wanted to prank me. Or it was a joke, but I just I just took He's that, and do that thing off. We just do stupid stuff anyway to each other. You know, we just agree to do it. Like try stupid weird. It's foods. like jackass with no cameras <laughs> and, and no money and no yeah. money. That's exactly right. Tell, tell, tell me about the parking space when we got here. So Christian, you might appreciate this as a man who's parked a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we pull in. This place is packed right now. We're, we're at the studio here, and there's a farmer's market every Saturday. So this place is a nightmare to try to find a parking spot for. We, we're driving around. I went to get breakfast. Sponsor McDonald's. Thank you, McDonald's. Um, I'm loving it. Okay, got it. That's out of the way. I'm glad that's done. But you know what? <laughs> Catch it up. No, no. Uh, so we're driving around. I go by this guy. He's about to pull out. He's Him and his, his father are loading What's weird is they both looked like they were in their 70s. Yeah. He said that was my well, dad. You know. Anyway, he was loading. They were loading the plants in. And I said, hey, y'all about to pull out? He goes, we're going to be a while. And I said, well, can you leave now? <laughs> Just deadpan. <laughs> Trying to keep a straight face. But the guy, it seemed like he was so annoyed that I go, man, I'll just play with you. I'll just play it with you. It was so awesome. Like, <laughs> 
the guy was like, <laughs> but he was forceful. He's like, but can you leave now? <laughs> like, can you leave now, though, sir? Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're in my spot. That's <laughs> uh, good. Anyway, uh, that was a long intro. I like how we're like ten minutes in, and we're just talking about stuff that happened to us. We're <laughs> what? Well, that's, oh, yeah, that's, no, that's what Chris is this here is, for to hear about. This is the us. best oh, okay. show I've ever seen. Man, <laughs> man. This is great. I love this. Yeah. We just have our guests on to listen. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Never ask them any questions. We're going to get there. Oh, we're what just, we're warming up. Can you guys do that, please? Can you make like a sub version of this podcast? We actually that literally that. invites people that are like as, as famous as you can get them and then parks them. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be amazing. You should listen to several of our episodes. <laughs> There's moments. There is moments. Yeah. And then, and then once you do it, then go back and it's like mystery science theater and then like comment on watching them. Nice. Yeah. That's funny. I'm he was start- really mad here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. He was so I mad. I believe he, he kept me. I thought he's going to hang up any second. Yeah. He stayed. He's still here. Wow. How is he still here? <laughs> oh man. Listen, I'm going to start sending out the emails and the, yeah. the message I'm going to say hey we'd love to have you on to listen to us <laughs> that's yes. it a lot of people might be more interested in doing that to be honest with you because you know how you know how mundane an interview gets after you do I know he's done who knows how many how many interviews you've done you count them oh geez no but you know, much, right? I'm surprised anybody wants to talk to me still <laughs> <laughs> we're honored that but you're it, here well I'll be honest hey. with you I'm still mad. I'm still mad. <laughs> I can tell that you knocked me out of, of song of the year one time. But we won't get into that. I'm still mad. Uh, it's funny how you hold on to that stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, I still like, he talks about it every day. Yeah, it's all I, mean, I got a little about. hate for. <laughs> yeah, what I like about Mondays or Sundays or whatever that song was. What I like about Sun, yeah, Sunday. <laughs> that thing kept Baby Girl out of number one. Oh and really? I carried around my whole yeah, just and it just didn't wouldn't quit. Baby girl did not go number one. No, we I didn't, didn't have a number one song till the second record. Son of a gun! Well, you know what? Let's get into that. I got after a crap this fast ton of five. number twos though. Hey, they make a lot just of number much twos. Money, I'm sure. Oh yeah, it don't matter. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just happy that I can get to the party. But <clears throat> oh, Christian, you're classically trained in the violin. Yeah, well, I didn't the last party, long. <laughs> Do you still play? I, I, got, I, got questions. I got questions to ask later. Yeah. Right now, it's time for you to listen, Christian. <laughs> Would you shut up and listen? <laughs> You're talking too much. <laughs> okay, here we go. Fast five. You ready? Okay, go. Here we go. If you were accidentally put in an insane asylum, how would you prove that you were sane? I would just stay. It'll be probably fine. <laughs> yeah, Finally, I that's made it. That's a good it. answer, man. I, I made it. That is a good I answer. Like that. I can relax. Yeah, he's like, Whoa. oh, and by the way, stay is what knocked me out of number one. Oh. The song yeah. stay, it was a guitar vocal. Just saying. Are you I know. guys going to fight? I know. <laughs> Golly. Are you, are you, ben, can you, cut, can you turn that mic down? I don't know if it's just me. Man. But Chris, is Chris Loud? Yeah, yeah. He, well, you know, he keeps interrupting and being very like. He's I, very I keep rude. thinking he won't he's, let us speak. He's about to fight <laughs> like a wrestler. He's like, look here, brother. <laughs> Christian, me yeah. and you in the squared songwriter circle. 
<laughs> oh man. I've been Can we have like this. a claymation fight in the middle <laughs> of the table? Yeah. Death Celebrity death match. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I want a clean fight. He usually get up on the mic like that. So. Yeah. Well, he, he's well, going. He, he, he doesn't have a. I, I, I'm raw dogging it. Yeah. yeah. I'm raw dogging right now. I should I have changed. My gave you my little ball and put it over there. Do you want my ball, bro? Give me your ball. No, it's okay. I'm mad. No, 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 no. I'm mad. Don't do it. No, I don't. I'll be easy. Put the ball on it, Chris. Put the ball. I don't want your pity ball. No. Okay. Okay. Keep the ball in. All right, I'll put my pity ball back on. Fast five time. Okay. This is the I'm longest time we've taken. Really? I'm sorry. We're really wound up. Yeah. I know, we're wound up. We had drunk way too much coffee and a dog biscuit. <laughs> That's not recommended. I got Christian. my protein. Yeah, the dog biscuit, I think, has got me jacked. <laughs> I was sleepy before the dog. I think you, You're I think right, it, bro. I think it was organic. Are those like active dog biscuits or something? I think What's they in are. That? What's in that? Charcoal or something. Are those pot cookies? Active charcoal. <laughs> little sativa on your dog biscuit? I think so. I think it's what those like, are. Woo! It is in a studio. You know what, though? What? He's the first person. Now, that... now we're on to something? <laughs> <laughs> For the first time you know in my what, life, though, I man, had an idea. Sativa. Really? <laughs> yeah. No, I was about to say, he's the first guest to ever answer a Fast Five fast. I think. Have we done it yet? <laughs> No, he just answered the first okay, one. Okay, the well, and then we went on for twenty minutes. No, yeah. I'm talking about the the, oh, okay. the the question. You know, bam, just the first question. Oh, okay, well, you know, Jared, well, hold on, get he, hasn't, out. he hasn't finished him yet. Now, now you're setting it up to him. Like, no, he's now, not going to fail. Gonna, now I've got to answer Listen, really quickly. You see that beard? He's not going to fail. Okay, well, no, it's it's very nicely shaped. <laughs> yeah, he destroyed Chris's career. He is not going to fail. <laughs> you understand me? <laughs> Please trust if me. I he fail, knows how to. He's going to feel worse. Yeah, I like that beard, by the way. Uh, thanks, man. It's, it, 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 yeah, it's down a lot. It was bigger. Really? Wow. I'm pulling Why'd it back it? a little. I got. I I, I cut it because. Uh, well, first of all, I made a terrible pandemic mistake. Like I was trying to trim it, and then I was like, "Whoops!" Oh. And if you ever whoops the beard, obviously you haven't. But um, evidently, nothing sharp has ever come around then, your beard. Then you then you kind of lopsided, and you kind of you think you've. You kind of funny looking for a long time, so I had to go down a little. Now I'm coming back out. Nice. It looks great. I don't think I've. Ever, I don't think I've ever seen you with a beard, like at least a beard oh. like that. Is yeah, it, well, you know, I have a hippie. I have a hippie band now. I have to, I have to play the part. Oh, nice. nice. Are y'all a hipster band or a hippie band? No, 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 no. It's like Lemonieres uh, or Fish. Late '69, early '70. Grateful Dead. Oh, nice. Grateful Dead. I like a good Cherry Garcia. Jerry. I like to get yeah. old and in the way. Yeah. You know what's funny about Grateful Dead is I don't know many of their songs. Anyway, we'll get into that. I tell you what. Yeah, that's really It's funny. worth going. It's, that's really funny, Chris. <laughs> that really is funny. Does that make you laugh? <laughs> yeah, it does. Question two. <laughs> two. <laughs> what songs are on your zombie killing playlist? <laughs> uh, it would have to be like all um, like weird uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seed stuff. What in the world? You probably know who they are, don't you, yeah. Jared? You did. I knew you would. <laughs> you need to check out his. You'd love his new hippie band. Think so? I think you'd love it. What, what's the name of your hippie band, real quick? It's called Dark Water. Uh, that's Ooh. right. I was. That was the last question it's I was going to ask. Great horror film and a, and a really in a better band. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, would We're you new, rather? So you know you can get in now. Go ahead. No, so what'd you say? I want to make sure he hears that. Being a Christian, <laughs> I said, "Well, we're a new band, so you know, get in now, get your fandom in now." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. Is it now? Buy your NFTs early, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <NFTs>. <laughs> you got to jump on that. that. Um, 
Question three. Would you rather wear shoes the rest of your life or never wear them again? Uh, shoes. Shoes, for sure. Me, me too. What about you? Yeah. Meaning you can't take them off or you're like... You never can wear them again or you always have to wear them. So you never take them off. That's right. Mm-hmm. Which one? Uh, no shoes. Are you kidding me, dude? Yeah, I'll go no shoes as well. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Really? Of course, the two bearded men All are right. the only smart ones here. Yeah. You realize you're telling me I don't have a beard? Are you telling me I don't have a beard? Are you telling me that you're willing to walk on all that crap out there for the rest of your well, life? Well, I was thinking that I could like wrap my feet up in a. In a no, in a, you no, can't. No, 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 that's not a shoe. No, you cannot. No. That's like making a makeshift shoe. You either go barefoot or you wear the shoe. Which one? Okay, okay, shoe. What do you, you. What do you want me to say, Mike? I want you to say shoe. What do you want me to say? I want everyone to say shoe. Okay. Dang. No. You just, if you just if, if you give me a freaking list when we start the podcast, the things I need to say, then I'll say it. Okay, let me shoe. text you for the next question. Thank you. God, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. What happens if you get, you know if what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sponsor a therapist for you guys. <laughs> you're kind of like a therapist. You're Wait, like, no, that's what this is. A little bit. It's going to be like, I'm going to get like with music cares. And Music Cares and the Grammys, we're going to send you a therapist. It's going to sit with you. I love that idea. It's like Can you three entire episodes. Can you get Dr. Phil on here? Okay, so I'm not sure he's a therapist. Marty, is he a therapist? I feel that you're very angry. <laughs> <laughs> Marty, you look very angry right now. Is it Christian that's doing this? <laughs> oh, wait. They, I feel like you're standing they, up for your buddy in his fight <laughs> with Christian. They wouldn't. They wouldn't say no. They wouldn't say shoes, Doctor Phil. That's all I wanted. Anyway, what if you feel right. itches? If there were no consequences for a day, what would you do? Purge. No consequences for no a day. No consequences like for one day. What do you do? Who man? I would have a. F- Black. I'm sorry. I would have a blast. <laughs> Doing what? Can we cuss on your thing? No, you can cuss. Yeah. Can we? Uh, okay. Uh, if I had no consequences, um, well, there'd be some drugs involved, probably. Nice. Just because nobody'd stop you, and not anything that's going to hurt bad, but it's going to make the day better. And uh, <laughs> well, I guess though there would be no consequences, so yeah. you wouldn't be addicted after that, right? So you, because that would be a oh, consequence. So y- so, so really, universe is gone. Okay, uh, I would weirdly drug, sex, and rock and roll. Nice. I thought that's already what you did. Yeah, yeah. he's like, but, <laughs> it, but on another level. Is, but I mean, <laughs> consequence. I'm a professional, so I know the consequence-free version of that would be really epic. Yeah. <laughs> so essentially, you would just live the same life you've been living. Yes, but like on the like thirteenth floor, but to on a whole other level, like Motley Crue status. I, I, oh, they'd be down on the tenth floor. Oh wow! Like we would go way up. This one goes to eleven. Christian. It goes to eleven. <laughs> Christian yes. got some... top of the Dubai skyscraper type of thing, you know, like. Yeah. And you would you would beat Motley Crue at it. Oh yeah, I mean those guys—they had consequences. Have you seen them? No, I'm saying I know that. Have you seen them? Have you seen them? If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Other than drug, sex, and rock and roll. I love the idea of everything freezes, except I can still move around. Freeze what, what I need is like, first of all, like if I had that superpower, I could get like three days worth of rest and no one would ever know. Because I've been tired for like 20 years. Well, you look great. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, it doesn't show, but I, I, I get exhausted and, uh, and I like to calm down. People freak me out sometimes. Now, what's funny is you said if you had no consequences, you would do drugs, sex, and rock and roll, but 
you're a big sloth fan, which doesn't scream drug, sex, and rock and roll. That's right. Nap all the time, party never. Right. That's my dream. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, man. (laughs) Just me in front of a TV. You know what I mean? 80 inches. Yeah. Uh, like your brother. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Into the interview. Did the interview start yet? Uh, yeah. You we're think good. so? Yeah, we're good. I think I don't have to say that it started because we've been interviewing for like, an, or we've been talking. He's been listening for about <laughs> 30 minutes now. We'll get there eventually. Bush canned beans. I got to say this real quick. <laughs> what? Well, I've never, did you know that? Did you know that he was in that family? Yeah. You did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I live right there. And you didn't tell us. You know how much I, you know how much I love Bush's baked beans. Bush baked beans, man. I, I was already a fan, but now I'm in love. <laughs> Did I say I love you, Christian? Can I say I, that? I love you too, man. You I, can. I love you. I, I love love my my train runs on love. Yeah. So yeah. Nice. And uh, now, what was it like growing up, knowing that your family created? Bush baked beans, like your great great grandfather is that who it was? Yeah, I mean it was weird. I'm the oldest of my generation, and that's, so I, that was my that was supposed to be my job. Like when I was growing up, my granddaddy would take me through the factory. He'd hold me, and I knew everybody's name, and I knew how to retort a can. I knew how the lines worked. I knew how Tennessee truck lines worked. I knew how all that stuff worked. Did you know the secret recipe? Huh? Yes, I do. <laughs> was the dog? He's not, he's not telling. Ask him the question. Was the ask him? Oh, did, did you have a dog named Duke? Did, did your grandfather have a dog named Duke? Do you really want to know the dog information? Of course. <laughs> yeah. Would you say dog business? Okay. Of course. We do. <laughs> what do you no, think? No, no, this no, is okay. a hard hitting <laughs> show here, Christian. <laughs> well, so here's uh, like it's very interesting to talk about this right now because my brother and I have decided we want to go find out what happened because my family sold the business when I was 12 mm. and um, when you're 12 and uh, well, he was nine, I guess, then you, you get information about your family at that time that your, your family's kind of protecting you from things. They don't tell you all the information, but you, you're able, you're old enough to feel that something's going on. You right. can, you catch a lot of their emotions, their reactions, and it doesn't matter what family you're in or what secret you're carrying around. As a kid, you're always trying to like either, this is a thing we don't talk about or it's a thing that you never unpack ever, ever, ever. And you have to at some point. And all of our family are now past. My parents, my dad finally passed away. My mom passed away when I was younger. And my aunt and uncle are the only two left. And then that's it. Like we have a very small family. So <laughs> my brother and I just started the first conversation of, man, what do you remember? He's like, well, I remember that, you know, uh, it was a discrepancy over granddaddy throwing a party for the company. And I was like, Oh, so I remember something different. He's like, well, what do you remember? And I told him, and he's like, God, I don't even know what that is. So we hired a guy to like be a journalist with us and go wow. figure out what happened. And we're in the middle of collecting that story right now. Son of a gun. And it's mind blowing. <clears throat> like this should be a movie. Yeah. At least a documentary. Yeah. Netflix is yeah, eating that crap up right now, man. <laughs> They are. Uh, no, well, they, it's really weird because I would watch this documentary. I mean, I'm being dead serious. I would watch this. <laughs> well, it's it's turning out to be stuff we had no idea about. But Chris, if you live up there near it, like I grew up in Sevierville, which was really the big town. I lived in and, Sevierville and, for a long time. Yeah, a long time. Where'd you live? I lived in Jones's Cove, uh, uh, Mitchell Bottoms, 
It's right there. Um, it, it's let's see, what's another area that's from the high school or towards the, the quarry? Towards the quarry, yeah. Okay. So, uh, if you go outside of Sevierville uh, long, far enough, there's a three like three way road in the middle of a town called Chestnut Hill, and that's where the mm. factory is. Yep. Hmm. And so my grandparents, I mean, that's where I grew up. And um, when they sold the company, it was this huge like feud <laughs> between the people and the family. And we were too young to catch what was happening. But but we ca- caught everybody's like under their breath and all their stuff. But um, granddaddy was an only child, so he didn't have anything to share with anyone. And he had two kids, my dad and my aunt. And um, what was interesting is granddaddy was always one of these people like, he was really rotund. He was a, he was a big boy and he was super kind. Like he was just overly kind all the time. Like we found out since he passed away that he like put like seven or eight different people through college and didn't tell anybody. Wow. Like wow. he was that kind of guy. Right. Super right. Cool. But, but people from the mountains, when they get money, they don't understand like, like they kind of like buy random things out of architectural digest and then they bury the rest in the back, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> Like they're trying to feel like they have money, but they don't really, and they don't really know what it is because the next town over, other people have more money. So you were a big deal in your tiny town and then you were less of a big deal there. The further out you get to Knoxville, nobody cares, right? And, um, but we thought it was kind of like, all right, well, we we make these things and we're kids that are born into this life. (laughs) So one of the kind things he did is when things got troubled up there, there was always that, you know, few people in each town that did a certain thing. And I don't know if y'all remember this, if you're from the South, but there's always some person that's usually man or woman. That's like a painter. And they paint these like somewhat questionably good versions of your children <laughs> as an oil painting. When you're yeah. a kid. Oh, totally. Yeah. You hang you're all laughing because your parents have yeah. them of you. Yeah. 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 Right. You know what's what's weird is uh, I don't have I wasn't in the era of the painting you know but you remember the pictures where your parents would make you take the picture and then it would be you you'd be you'd be taking the picture like this and then there would be your your silhouette kind of yeah face. like half your head oh like, I, I totally you. have one of those <laughs> looking just at like the, an Olin Mills double yeah, exposure yeah. oh I totally just have looking one of those. at your future you know what yeah. I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> looking bright you know what I mean. And I'm like, I was looking straight up too. I was looking straight oh. up as a four year old. My eyes were big. I mean, I was like, I'm like, man, my, my future's knew. coming to me. <laughs> my future's knew. coming. Um, so there was always that person in southern towns, and you'll see this sometimes, especially in like like white people's families. You'll see like um, the the oil painting of the two year old or whatever, and and. In this case, um, I guess the the lady that lived in that part of the 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 county that did that was just out of work. So um, my dad had a, a golden retriever, <laughs> and so I think Granddaddy paid to have the golden retriever painted so that the lady would have some money, right? <laughs> and then when they left the business, that golden retriever painting was still sitting in the in the office. And they never went and got it. So I oh, think wow. a marketing person oh, saw that. Wow. Was like, and they thought, Let's make something out of this. There never was a Duke, but bro. I want that painting, dude. No, I think the dog's <laughs> name was Buster. His name was Buster. They changed his and name. I, from- I'm not sure he could talk. Buster couldn't talk? <laughs> not sure. But don't tell anybody. My whole life's a lie. You know, it's funny how <laughs> I have such a different, like growing up in that area, we used to have to drive through there. 
like oh, going, yeah? going, and, and, it, and it always like had this. Smells like smell. Smells like beans. Actually, actually, oh, it was terrible. It was cabbage. <laughs> it smelled like cabbage. It was cabbage. Really? And, uh, yeah. It so it was had the this w- like bad cabbage smell. Is that it, the is that the yep. hidden secret? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but every time we drove through there uh, as kids, I remember Whoa. like this this awful smell going through there. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, every, it's so from every the bean time testers, I, you know. It's kind of like going they through West a, Memphis, like yeah. where we're from, <laughs> West Memphis. It is like uh, you smell uh, doo doo. So yeah, it's, it's, it's like, there's like there's like a chemical plant there. That's no that's no lie either. You really? drive over the bridge of Memphis at certain times, yeah, and you always will smell this nasty. Oh, welcome egg to Arkansas. Fart, sulfur, <laughs> yeah, smell, yeah, and you just you just get used to it. It's horrible. But you well, get used like to the, it after yeah, a while. The Brown's factory yeah. there in Bartlett always smelled like popcorn all day long. I never noticed yeah. that, Ben. I would have been by there a couple of times. I love popcorn. Popcorn, nice. Uh, now, Christian, what an amazing story! Like I was so intrigued by that story. You, I'm telling you, are y'all trying to get some? Are y'all trying to see if there was some foul play or some manipulation well, going? Well, it kind of is weird because my brother and I both ended up in the music business, and we are all just finally successful. We like we don't like don't need any money. You're we rich. have really dreamy lives. Say what you mean. You're rich. So we, neither of us got any of the money. So right. the money stopped with it. my dad. So what I'm well, asking it's not you that. is, if you it, get well, money, can you send it to me? Because yeah. <laughs> I need the yeah, money. What you need to do, we'll, we'll hire you to be our investigative journalist that'd be nice i'll just be the oh, face man. of it but somebody that knows what they're doing will do it well, we'll yeah, get joe yeah, they'll just tell you. you yeah christian i like where anyway this is going. It's, it's a crazy story and we're finding out more and more the more we dig into it like there's something about the mob the other day oh. and then, um blowing up trucks i guess they came and blew up a bunch of trucks no the way teamsters were trying to get in front of the the Tennessee truck lines when they decided to buy their own trucks. So you're, you think you're, I I just didn't know about it. I think your grandfather got forced out of the company by the mafia. I have no idea. And there's also like an IRS filing of like foul play, avoiding taxes. And, and then we find out there's an entire, like three other branches to the family tree that no one ever told us about. So during all this Sugarland stuff, I kept getting, like strange things across Facebook, like, Hey, I'm your cousin. And I'm like, no, you're not. And they'd be like, you know, like I'm your great aunt. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> and I'm sure my managers were just like, God, man, you have so many really crazy relatives. <laughs> it turns out they probably are real. And just my family was so mad. They never told me. Wow. Well, I'm sorry that I kept sending you messages back then. Um, <laughs> I'm glad that we finally, that you finally are at least. To finally open, reconnect. You're open to the idea that I could be your relative. <laughs> finally, after all these years. You know, I wish I could have gotten it's, it's that, been a that long concert, Superman concert, that I was trying to get tickets for. But, you yeah. know, we yeah. still I left got you time. tickets at everything, Ricky Bobby. I left you tickets. <laughs> Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Why did you play? Did your, were your parents like, uh, did they did they force you to play the the, the fiddle as at four years old or? It's hard to tell, you know. You, you don't remember much back then, but I know my mom was. She married into that family, so she was real interested in, and she probably was looking around at what was going on. Probably thought this is wild, and uh, 
So she was like that kind of mom that enrolls you for everything. Like, I think I even had like a gymnastics class and a, wow, you know, I remember Taekwondo. I just, I wasn't very good at all that stuff, but I did a couple of them. And in Sevierville, you have that version of it, you know, (laughs) but the violin one was, um, was a, an experimental Japanese program was coming to America and you could sign your kid up to be in the experiment. A man named Suzuki. (laughs) It's Suzuki method, right? So the idea was. If you learn music at the time your brain learns language, the question is, will your brain learn it as a language? Oh, wow. Right? So it's between three and five years old. Just about anybody on earth, if you are immersed in a family that speaks Cantonese, you will learn to speak Cantonese, right? Or Japanese or Spanish or Portuguese or whatever it is. So uh, we listen to the same five or six songs over and over again. And then... When I say over and over again, I mean like they had speakers under our pillows and these little discs on endless loops. Wow. That was like brainwashing. And, uh, man, man, a little uh, bit. Over at my house, I was eating napkins. <laughs> <laughs> I was, over and over oh, again. Oh, yeah. I had to go to the hospital. Loop. Yeah. That's, <laughs> did you? Oh, that's, oh, yeah. you really did that. Oh, I really did that. Yeah. Well, and suppositories. That wasn't even a joke. He really ate oh, napkins. I know. I'm, no, I'm I, just saying I, I had a, a whole big uh, thing of suppositories, too. I had to go to the hospital. Were they? Which, so that's which what I was doing while you were listening them. for for. I was like, suppository. No, it's not. It's a suppository. <laughs> <laughs> There's two different parts of Cedarville, uh, East Tennessee. Yeah, Cedarville yeah, <laughs> had some vast difference across the tracks. It was vastly different. Yeah, classically trained in the ear yeah. all the yeah. time. Eating to suppositories. Eat that was my yeah. Oh, it's funny because you know. That that, um, Suzuki thing was at not at University of Tennessee in Knoxville, which is really, really the big city. And I would come back because it's a it's a drive. It's like an hour and change to get into town. Right. And um, and my friends would be like. Talking about that, I played a fiddle and I was like, no, I don't. I play a violin and it's the same thing. Right. And when I got older. I started to realize that it was just the way you played it. Right. Right. I I didn't I really legitimately thought it was a different instrument for a long time. Mm. Oh wow. Because your teachers were all Japanese. You're like, they had no idea that I was dealing with Appalachia life an hour later. Hmm. Right. So you actually thought a fiddle and a violin were a different instrument? I did. <laughs> well, you were young, you were like four years old, so it makes sense. But yeah. How long did it take before you did you ask a teacher that you were is No, it I remember the I remember the first time I played a note that wasn't on the paper in front of me because, you know, they they were they hadn't quite figured out in the Suzuki method when I was in it how to teach you to read music. But you could kind of follow that the next note was higher than the one before it. And it made sense because you remembered the way it went because you've been listening to it for four years. And um, so you, you physically can connect all the dots. And then I was like, oh, cool. And then I remember playing something that wasn't in the thing. And I was like, "Ooh, am I going to get in trouble? Like, that was my first thought. Yeah. And then I started right. to put together that maybe the fiddle was playing the violin outside of what was written and not getting in trouble. <laughs> so how long before you started listening to Charlie Daniels? And you was like, oh, this is, I like this. Not long. Did you, not long. Did you start playing some Charlie Daniels songs on the fiddle? No. No. I, I, I that was, I, I, about the time I was really interested in, um, you know, what in the world was going on with this instrument was the same time that I was... Given you up. know, I was hearing different radio stations come in from Knoxville. You could, you could get like 
the rock station occasionally and well, you know, Chris, like oh, yeah. it was pretty much just this, it was like WIVK. And then there was like an AM station you could get. that was also yeah. like country, but traditional. Right. So I, until I was exposed to other music, I didn't really think about much. And, but when I did get exposed, I completely abandoned listening to anything classical or country. So uh, what was it like? I, I think I read you were you agreed it said in the in, in the thing that you agreed at 11 years old to play for the knoxville youth symphony <laughs> and i was like at 11 years old he agreed to do a year it was like almost like it was a contract he's like i'm 11 i agreed to do it was one a deal. year is that it was how a deal went? my mom made me a deal yeah she said i said i won't play guitar because girls are making fun of me and kids are making fun of me with the good the violin and uh she said okay well if you'll and she knew i couldn't read music well, if you'll play one season in the new symphony, I'll let you play guitar. And I was like, damn you. You know I can't do that. And so I, the, what I did, I'll never forget, is my grandmother was like, what would you like for your birthday? And I was like, grandmother, I know I don't ask for much. You know, it's usually like a cake or something. But right this year, I want one of those um, Walkmans because it's got a record button on it. And she said, okay. And I took that damn thing to the youth symphony and I would record the rehearsal on Wednesday. And I would fake play next to the guy next to me who was reading no all the way. music. And I would learn it by ear by Saturday and I would play it. And that's how I survived wow. <laughs> getting out and getting to play guitar. And it's, then, uh, you know, I thought that was going to be like my ticket to girlfriends and it still didn't. But do you have was, a girlfriend now? Was, <laughs> did you ever well, get a girlfriend? Yeah. yeah, I did. I did. That's good. I'm glad. I'm happy about that. <laughs> no, it, it does work. It does work. Eventually. It makes, you know, guitars make people that like me that need help a little more attractive. So when, when you, well, I don't need that uh, help at all. So <laughs> I, I just walk I, I out. I hear you, man. Yeah. I just woke up. But I'll loan you a guitar if you need one. I, I don't need one, Christian. I don't need one. <laughs> okay, I, I'm just a very <laughs> devilishly handsome fellow. So there's no need here for me to play guitar. Uh, even though I do it, I do it out of love. Right. Yes. Uh, now, when did you write your first song? After you, was it fourteen? I think I read that you picked up your yeah, first or guitar. Fourteen. And you, yeah, started it was really quick. How long before you actually started making original content, original music? I'd say within a year. Wow. Do you remember your first? It, song? it was really fast. Yeah, but you got to remember, like I was on some sort of weird acceleration brain because I, I right. could play anything I could hear. Right. And right. so I was having this moment where I would, I, it was, I don't know if different musicians talk about it at different times when you hear something on the radio or you hear something on your record that you love and then you learn to play it and you're like, Ooh, that's almost it. And then the moment where you do play it, you're like, Oh, Oh, I sound like Van Halen. Yeah. Right. Or, <laughs> you know, and you're like, ah, and I need this pedal or I need this guitar. Or, I need this, whatever. And, and you start to get obsessed with the idea that you can in fact do this crazy thing you're in front of. It's not like, like today, I can imagine people who make movies are like, oh, my God, I just made a a movie because you have the technology to do it. Right. But, you know, when I was a kid as a musician, we were like, holy moly, we can actually do this. And within a, I don't know, four or five month span, I was like, well, how do you make the record? Well, what do you do? Well, how do you where do you plug it in? Like, how do you do this? And then I was like, oh, and then I would rec I remember recording a like a really bad Thompson twin song but i had figured out how to do it like i'd figured out how they made each part work and that's how i figured out there was a bass guitar i didn't know those existed 
Mm. And I was like, oh, I'm going to need one of those to make it sound like the radio. <laughs> right. And uh, we made our first record when I was 14, maybe. What did you make the record on? You made it on a four track. No. So, oh, you yeah. just made so it on a four track. track. The old did it ourselves. <laughs> yep. Little Fostex, and then uh, sold it to all of our friends, took the money, and made another record. Do you still have a copy of that record, that first record? Oh, it's terrible, but yes, I do. Can you send it and to me? And my brother and I, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> That's enough. I wanted to play one of the songs at the end of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're totally the first person that's ever asked me that. <laughs> I really would like to hear it. That's not even a lie. <laughs> to see no, where, because you're amazing, right? I think you're amazing. And Well, thank you. To... I would love to hear the very first thing of it. So if you ever if you ever get a little, just give me a hint at some point and and send it to my Instagram or something. Send, you a, little, Christian, send you a little piece of it. Let me tell you something. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I I showed him. Chris, put this picture up. He's about to talk about. I, it. I showed him a my first. I had a cassette when I first came to town. I have this cassette tape. And like that, that is actually when I call him, that's what comes up now. Is this, is, is, please, Ben, do you have this picture? Please show Christian this picture. Do you have that, Ben? I sent it to Ben. Christian, this is a picture of Chris. <laughs> oh, my God. Face. I have it. You got to wait just a minute. Hold on. I'll, I'll describe Chris, it. Chris, versus. how old were you? Oh, man. I was uh, pretty young. He's playing, he's holding the guitar like I, this, Christian, in, on, on a cassette tape. Ben, can you? Switch the camera to me. I know you're trying to pull a picture up. He's doing this. He's looking at the camera and he's going. And it's and he's got this he's got this mustache and he looks he looks. I hope this doesn't offend anybody. He looks like a, a Mexican man and mm-hmm. he looks like he's in a mariachi band. And so my mom sees this. Oh yeah. On the other day, my we're, we're riding and the picture of Chris comes up on my my car and she goes, "That's not the." most flattering photo of him to use for the phone. <laughs> and I said, I said, Mama, he didn't use that photo. I used that photo. <laughs> and then I told Chris, I said, she loves your photo. <laughs> every, t- every time I see that, every time I see that photo, I think of uh, back then I was working 60 hours a week in a factory and I had grease Ooh. under my fingernails. And, and I had to, I remember I had to pay $30 extra because I had to touch up my fingernails because I still had grease under my fingernails. I didn't know it. And I took that picture, Olin Mills, because nothing but the best. And, (laughs) you know. You should have had yourself like this. Like you had myself looking at at your future, man. Yeah. You should have had yourself still holding the guitar, though. (laughs) With a fading out. I sent that picture to uh, to Buddy. You know Buddy Cannon? I know who he is. Yeah. yeah, Buddy's a good friend. I sent it to him, and all he said about it, he said, impeccable hand placement. There it is. Oh, there it is. Oh, man, look hey, at blow me. Blow that up. Ooh, Let him see the full, the full shot of that right there. Golly. That's so good, man. <laughs> look at that. So, <laughs> That's really, the what same you need to do is re- I still play. I still oh, play so that good. guitar. Can you recreate that today with the you I of today? I need to, don't I? I need to recreate You it. do. For the Chris, Chris, Chris Wallen, too. <laughs> I think you I, I think should just yeah. use that for an album now. Let that be the... I would buy yeah. that. Yeah. I would buy that. It looks like a polka band. 
I'll sell it to you only for on two thousand dollars. Yeah. yeah, it's only on cassette. I don't, I don't yeah. need it for two thousand dollars. I you got know it what? right There's here on my your, phone. Chris, Chris Wallen, that's your first NFT. There you I go. know, right? NFT. Right there, we're gonna put that up as a collector. Heck yeah! And somebody's gonna they're gonna they're gonna bid that up the the tree, and you're gonna take it home, and and you're Man. gonna love that money. You're gonna virtually look at it. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm not gonna buy it, but <laughs> somebody will. <laughs> yeah. Billy, let's talk about Billy Pilgrim as your that's your that's your second band. It's my '90s band. Yeah. So my brother and I started making music there in in Sevierville. Or actually, at the time, we had kind of moved our way into Knoxville because my parents had tried to run away from the Bush Brothers thing. And there was a, a family, um, like a mother and her son. And the son in Knoxville was uh, being trained by the people. I don't know who these people are, but they are the maybe husband-wife team or, or boyfriend-girlfriend that wrote for the Everleys. Oh, wow. Mm, wow. Do, we, do we know who that is? Uh, uh, but they lived in Knoxville. And they would do a lot of their demos there. And this young kid, he was like 18 or 19 at the time, was starting to run a studio out of his mom's basement in order to do that. And it was a gigantic SSL console. I mean, it was, they, they had a lot of, his, his benefactors had money. And my mom got my brother and I, for my birthday, one hour of studio time. So we had rehearsed on our four track, like, how many minutes it takes to play the song once with him playing drums and me playing guitar. And then if we ran to the next instrument. <laughs> I would play nice. bass and play piano and then we'd run again and then I would immediately sing it. So it was the amount of time you could rewind the <laughs> tape. So in, in an hour, we could record like two or three songs completely with like four or five instruments. And we got to the end of it and we were like, whew, we did it. And then you were like, okay, well, it's going to take another hour to mix. And I was just deflated. Oh mm. no. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, we <laughs> failed. Like we... We were so close to being like rock stars and now we're not. And so uh, I you know, had to raise more money and then come back in a mix. So this is how I learned the music business. So by the time I had gotten out of high school and into college, the college I got into uh, was in Atlanta. And when I came down to Atlanta, um, I desperately was trying to satisfy the requirement of my family to go to college, you know, and, and if, if they were going to pay for it, I, I would be glad to do it. And there was a lot of pressure because th this was the end of their family. You know, they couldn't hand you a business. They, they, they had, they had been handed a business they cannot hand on. Right. You know? So they, there's a lot of guilt that was moving through that family and, and well, well-funded East Tennessee guilt looks in lots of weird ways. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I, can imagine. I, I, I ended up in Atlanta in college and I just happened to get here when the music business here was exploding. And uh, REM had just uh, put out their third album or their fourth album. They were they were just signed to it, their first major label. The Black Crows were just starting. Um, you had all sorts of like the Indigo Girls were here in Atlanta. They were like moving folk rock into the mainstream. And I was a kid that knew how to make records. That's all I wanted to do. So I fell in with all those people and they started to teach me how to make things in the professional way. So by the time I got out of Emory, I got my first record deal like a number of weeks after I got out, of, after I graduated and it was on Atlantic records in New York. And that was with my band, Billy Pilgrim, which is a character from a Kurt Vonnegut novel that my friend Andrew and I both liked. So there's Slaughterhouse no five. Just, Slaughterhouse five. Right. Yeah. And we were, you know, a very like, uh, we were born out of the, the, 
clean of the Southeast at the time, like driving and crying and all these kind of rock bands. And, but we were guys that were doing it with just two guitars. So we had to learn to scream at you <laughs> to get your attention. <laughs> uh, we didn't have a drummer or bass player. It was just two guys and guitars. We were, we had to write songs that were sometimes making fun of the crowd, but the crowd didn't know. So they'd sing along with you. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, you'd, you get an inside chuckle that you're making fun of rednecks. And then, then you get an inside chuckle that you actually are celebrating them. And then, then you feel like you, you are one. And then now, now you're at that point where suddenly music is just a communal experience in a bar. And uh, that seemed to be really attractive to people in the Northeast in the rock and roll world. Cause Seattle had just blown up with like Nirvana and all this stuff. And they wanted to blow up the Atlanta scene. So collective soul got signed. Uh, Ed did. And then we did. And then like a year after us, the guys in Hootie did. And all to Atlantic Records in New York. So they, we just started going around the world playing all this music. And we did it uh, in a way that, uh, you know, was very affordable. You could just put two guys and you put your guitars in your back and go. We could get on an airplane. We could open, we like, we opened for like Melissa Etheridge and Tom Petty and like Dylan and all these people. And uh, we learned how to be in the music business and how to play a 20,000 seat stage with just a guitar. Now, did y'all think at at that point, Melissa Etheridge and Tom Petty? Wow, that's crazy. You open for Tom Petty. And then Bob Dylan, did y'all think, well, we made it now. We're, we're, we're going to be, you know, in the next big thing in music as Billy Pilgrim. Not really. I mean, I, I think for maybe four or five months, I thought that. But very quickly, like when <laughs> I remember sitting, I, I, I love telling this story because I, it really puts in perspective what kind of crappy 20 year old ass I was. But um, <laughs> we want to hear that. <laughs> uh, I, I was I was in the, the offices in Atlantic Records in New York and and. Um, we, we, we had put out our, we were, we had put out our record and they had said, you know what, we're not going to release it yet. We want you to re-record it in London with a guy named Hugh Padgham, which is a guy who produced the police and, and, uh, uh, like Phil Collins and all this stuff. And he was this incredible producer. So we went over there and re-recorded it. So we put a, it was a huge delay now from when we wanted to get started with our career and when we could. And, uh, during that time they were signing more and more bands because the nineties were happening Right. They had all this money coming into music. And they said, man, should we sign this band Hootie and the Blowfish? I was like, oh, man, I love those guys. But, you know, that's really it's going to go nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, no, 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 really. This song, Hold My Hand. I'm like, dude, that's been on like four of their albums. Like, that's over. Like, (laughs) maybe if they write another one. And they're like, no, 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 this is the one. I was like, I I really don't think it's going to work. And it's like five months later, they sold 16 million records. Yeah, yeah. Like I immediately knew when Andrew and I were only selling 200,000 records or 500,000 records that we were nowhere near what had just happened with Hootie. So we were a failure. Right. Right. Even though that was 199 more thousand records than I'd ever sold in my life out of my trunk. Right, right, (laughs) right. So I knew as a young, like 20 something year old that I needed to adjust the way I thought about music and the music business and success. And and come up with a new way to value yourself. And that's all of that learning helped propel when Sugarland showed up. I was like, guys, now we got problems. We just got signed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, so I had this unique perspective as a kid with experience 
and not knowing that lightning would strike twice, but when it did, man, you know, because we just recently put Billy Pilgrim back together. We oh, cool. stopped. Um, we stopped as a band literally the same year that I was writing the first Sugarland record. Now, why, you, so you were in two bands at the same time? Is that or two duos or whatever? Mm-hmm. Or okay, so you were just so. Where did Jennifer Nettles come into the picture? Like you, you met her and then said, "You know what? I'll start something with you too." Even though I have this right, other thing well, going uh, on. <laughs> Jennifer was in a band uh, called Soul Miner's Daughter. And she's younger than me by about four years. And um, so she was the opening act for Billy Pilgrim. Really? For many, many years. Wow. And um, so I knew her. I just didn't know her well, and I'd never worked with her. But I I was always super supportive because the Atlanta scene is a very supportive. It's not a very competitive place. It's a everybody's having to deal with the same struggle, you know? So you'll see a lot of Atlanta bands take other Atlanta bands out on tour. And it's very common. Wow. And uh, so when we started Sugarland, um, it was actually, Jennifer wasn't in the first lineup of it. It was really this uh, f- friend of ours that was a songwriter in town that was the old guitar tech for the Indigo Girls, a girl named uh, Kristen Hall. And she came and said, Christian, will you, you want to write some songs? And I was like, well, sure, but, you know, I don't know if I'm any good at writing with other people because Billy Pilgrim, we wrote alone, right? I just never done it before. And she said, okay, well, why don't you come? I can teach you. And she had had like hit on somebody in, in Canada or something like a, she'd written a song that got a little bit of traction and she'd gotten a publishing deal and she wanted to uh, close out her publishing deal, which I didn't understand what that meant at the time. So I went and wrote a bunch of songs with her and she said, you know, we got to start a band. These songs are good. I was like, I know I got a band. I don't, I need a band. Like I need a hole in the head. Like I, I don't need that. And she's like, well, and then one day she was like, look, I got a band in my basement. Why don't you just come over and play? And I was like, all right. And at the time my wife was pregnant with our first kid and I just lost my mom. So I was in this huge transition space and I was like, sure, I'll do this. It's a side gig. And I went in and very quickly I was like, wow, this is, this is pretty good. You know, I don't know if it's country music, but it's really good. And then we decided we needed to audition singers. I was like, man, I I don't sound like a country singer, especially not in 2002. Like guys who sang country music then were like Chris Wallen, you know, like, what? you know, they had like, they had these <laughs> the robust like voices. <laughs> <laughs> they had these smooth, like, himself. you know, how to make it voices. You know, they were, right, it was right. Josh Turner time. Yeah. And, um, and uh, we said, okay. And we started asking around to see who would want to audition for our country band. <laughs> and Jennifer was like the third or fourth audition. And hmm. she came in and part of it is we wanted to write a song with each person that came in just because I, I already knew I didn't want to be in a band. I didn't, I didn't want to write everything myself. And I know how important it is to believe in what you're doing because you're having to do it for nothing forever until it works. And right. The second song Jennifer wrote with us was Baby Girl. And I was like, holy crap. I'm going to tell you we, what. We probably need to do this. That song, for me, has always was always an inspiration for me. Baby Girl. Because uh, my whole, that's like when, when I started music, because I wasn't supposed to do music at all. Still ain't supposed to, probably. But uh, I wasn't supposed to. And people said I shouldn't. 
that I'd never make it, all these things. And listening to that song was like, you know, because I, I did need Daddy a lot, you know, for a long time. And then listening to that song was like, one day I'm going to help Daddy out. I One day I'm going to yeah. call him and say, Daddy, we made it, you know. So that song's big for me like that. It always has been. I've always loved that song. So you wrote that yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we wrote that together. You and Jennifer. And, and Kristen. And, and uh, I, even my, you'll see on the credits, um, even my friend who was an engineer at the time, he was in the room and uh, – I was still learning how to co-write. So um, I he he had the first line of the song and I cut him into the whole thing. He still gets checks today. Mm, and awesome. uh, wow. it's super cool. And it's like the first rule of the music business I would teach people is no one, no one has ever gotten rich in the music business being greedy. Like, Did you cut me in on one? <laughs> yeah, man. <I'm> just, <laughs> no, as long as we do the work. No, I don't want to do the work. I want one of the ones that's already big. Uh, I, uh, just a small one like stay or something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Thanks. So okay. that's yeah. how it starts. Yeah. Golly. Man. And that's how it started. So we had that song. And so Billy Pilgrim stopped right then. Right. And my partner, Andrew, went to California. His big sister's a famous movie star. So he he was never really tempted by fame. He was always doing it for something different. And uh, and we we kind of went our separate ways at that point. And then came back this summer and put that record out that we had made that year. He's on the dark, dark waters band. No, he's in. He's it's it's put out as a Billy Pilgrim record. Your brother and it's you are dark the, waters band. Is that who? Yeah, it is? my brother and I and our friend Benji. Uh, uh, we are dark water. And your like brother this. played or plays for Train, right? Yeah, he played in Train for a long time. Massive band. And, That's crazy. It was big. It was funny because I stole him back when Sugarland started playing like stadium dates. He was like, "Man, the catering and the people are better over here, Pat." Mm. Where did the name Sugarland come <laughs> so, from? It was one of the ladies who auditioned. Really, she was. It was like the second audition. I will never forget because, uh, and I and I have reconnected with her since. She's a wonderful songwriter named Vanessa Oliveras, and. uh Vanessa at the time was just a local singer and she came in and auditioned. And as she did, I came in to meet her and I was like, so where are you from? She's like, well, I'm from Sugarland," And she didn't say where that was, was, and I'd never heard of that place. <laughs> and I was like, God, I want to be from there. Yeah. Like, yeah, whatever right. that is. It looks like yeah, you and I at are the time, from there, Jerry. Yeah, we are. Right? Yeah, it looks like I am from there. But at the time, if you put that in context with like, when I heard that, it we had just had planes go into buildings and my mom had just died. And it was like, all, everything was bad. I was living in Badville. Right, right. <laughs> and Sugarland sounded like a great idea. And I went home after that sort of rehearsal and I wrote it in the shower, <laughs> a song called Sugarland of somewhere I wanted to be from and then brought it back in the next day. I was like, either this is like a an omen and this is going to be the worst thing that's ever happened or we're naming the band Sugarland. Hmm. <laughs> did that song come out? Because I don't think I ever heard that. It did. It's on the second album. We recorded it for the first album, and it didn't make it. And uh, then we recorded it again for the second one. And it's on the last song of the second album. I'm going to look that up when I leave here. Uh, in the middle of the show, which this ain't the middle. This is a lot, lot further than the middle. We always do a segment called, uh, Why Would They Do That? But the conversation's been so great that I didn't want to interrupt you at all. Because okay, I don't well, interrupt what, people. What are you, what? <laughs> That's all right. I, I like this game, though. It's much more interesting than me. No, it's not. You. This has been one of the one of the most interesting 
interviews that I've done because mainly I've been talking a lot. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but it really has. Talking about food is something I can do forever. So the, just starting it off with talking about my favorite baked beans is is a way, really good thing to do. And then Jared and I were just talking about Bush's baked beans the other night. Anyway, this is a segment we do called "What? Why would they do that?" Have you ever found yourself wishing you could be a wine snob? Yeah. You, you have. Yeah. But just don't know about enough about wine to be one. Mm. Mm. I like the sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> Jared. Yes. Mm. No. <laughs> ah. <laughs> well, Wine for Dummies has your back. The same people that brought you those dummies books now have actual bottles of wine that you can purchase to teach you how to drink wine and stick your nose up at those that don't know the difference between Chianti and Chardonnay. That's for you. There's the picture, Jared. See that? Man, look at that. That's legit. Wine for dummies. I support really? this. Do you really? Of course. I think that's weird. Man. You either like it or you don't. Now, now, Christian might be a wine snob. We don't know. Christian, how are you on about wine? I love wine, but See? I've I've just recently um, learned some. You know, like I didn't drink for a long time, and then about ten years ago, I was like, "Hey, let's start drinking." That's a good, and, that's uh, a good, good decision you made. Yeah, <laughs> hey, it's, it's, what, it's what, kind of fun. What I didn't do meth for a long time, and I just said, you know, <laughs> "Don't don't equate meth to wine." <laughs> Come on, uh, <laughs> don't make me flip this table. <laughs> yeah, go. He got excited. He got really mad over that. Man, I'm so sorry. I was I about to ask Christian, what, what what kind of bottles are you drinking? Go what, for it. What, what are you? What, um, what are you I, on? Well, I, I'm I'm not deeply smart, so I'd be probably a good like test for wine for dummies but um <laughs> i am uh I, like i'll drink a pinot noir like it's a lighter wine nice. and then there, there's sometimes where i'll drink like i kind of want the wine to like smell like a barnyard like you can smell the chicken right crap yeah a little it. earthy like it real earthy and so that's kind of fun sometimes too um so and then if you get like really crazy there's some like strange wines like the orange swift stuff is totally out to lunch We've been trying you know, to get our hands all- on some Taco Bell wine. What? Taco Bell wine. What? Yeah. It was a limited edition. In uh, Canada, in, right? In Canada. Does it tastes like fire sauce. It's called it's called <laughs> Jalapeno Noir. Yes. Yeah. That was real. Look it up. Yeah. We've been trying to get our hands on it so that we could taste test it for the show. Um, but I, the only bottles you can find are maybe Christian, because he's rich, he could probably before this. You should <laughs> Go get these bottles. They're available right now. Seven hundred bucks for two bottles of this little uh, Taco Bell jalapeno noir. If you get both of them, Christian, send us one, please. Thank <laughs> you know, along with some money, just a bunch of money in there too. <laughs> yeah, just put a bunch I, of your I'm money. I'm just going to spend the seven hundred dollars on a therapist to come sit in y'all's room. <laughs> as long as they bring the bottle of that jalapeno noir from Taco Bell, so good. They're welcome here. And the secret recipe to the Bush's baked beans. Yeah. We he don't tell. know. We he don't know tell. the cigarette. He said he did. Oh, he really does know it. Of course he does. Was you joking, or do you I actually do. know it? I do. I know you, it. My you, brother's you, the one's got the actual card. Man, wow. son of a gun! We gotta get your brother on the show. <laughs> yeah, there's a. There I tell you what, look. he's like the. Oh, come on, that's just for. <laughs> no, that's real. No, that's real. It it was paired with that uh, chalupa it right there. Paired with chalupa that does taco. look good. 
I wonder what that wine yeah. tastes like too. Does anybody else want lunch like, now? It, it tastes like medium. It's, it's, it's like mild sauce. It's, <laughs> it's just to tell you, dude. It's mild sauce. Yeah. <laughs> you pour it out. Like, yeah, no, yeah. You, you, you take a bite and then you drink it with it. So, well, this really does go well with tacos. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's so like, what, good. Do, what do you pair with a chalupa? <laughs> Jalapeno Noir. Jalapeno Noir. So, you, like, y'all wrote every Sugarland song. You, as a band yeah yeah we um we wrote every song uh the uh, only time that we didn't um was this most recent thing they pitched us a that taylor swift song and i said you know it's not something we normally do and i you know the record company really wanted to do it because they you know she's super popular and um i said well can i you know can i re-record it like can i do something to it because just like anything else in Sugarland. You know, like it, when we do it, we do it a kind of a different way just because we're from Atlanta and it it has a lot of like gospely stuff or Southern stuff or swamp. It's a little swampier than most. Right. Like down the middle of the country. And, I, you know, I did my best to try to keep things in the middle because <laughs> they were selling it on the radio and I would just get really obsessed with trying to make sure it, I gave them something they could work with. But we never got shopped a song until that song. Really? Nobody ever pitched you anything? I'd never, I didn't get a pitch for a song until I started producing that Lindsay L record and I decided to take pitches for it as a producer. And that's the first time I've ever been in a pitch room. So you, you mean when you say you never shop means you never went looking for a song. No, no one's ever played me a song. So we play this. Nobody, what I'm saying is you didn't want to hear songs though, right? Like y'all, y'all were looking. Well, the record company, yeah, the record company had this weird, interesting attitude. They were like, look, if you keep sending us stuff that we can play, then we'll keep playing it. And so I was essentially by default kind of the A&R guy. So I would, I would write, and Chris saw this when the times he'd come out and write with us, I'd write a song. And a lot of times I'd write with people before I'd pull Jennifer in. Right. Cause we need to figure out what kind of tunesmith or what kind of special skill each writer had. Cause they all have different skills. And a lot of times now that I understand later in life, you know, the songwriter, a lot of times has to carry a lot more weight um, to the right with an artist. And you, you know, you almost have to bring in the song, you know, halfway done as right. an idea, which a lot of what I do over now, and over again. you know, yeah. it, it really is become, become a thing where you have to come in because it used to, I always tell people Nashville used to be a songwriter town. It's not, it, it, it's, it's, it's an artist town and you, you have to songwriters just kind of hanging on. So you have Kinda. to go in and make your own opportunities and go and, yeah. and, and, and come with ideas and everything. You guys, um, a couple of your co-writers are really good friends of mine. Tim Owens. Yeah. I <laughs> love Tim. I love and him. Lisa Carver, man. I, I, I'm a huge I Lisa Carver fan. And uh, that's who I actually I, I, I came with it when we wrote. But yeah, nothing yeah, but good things. Yeah. Yeah, she was like, man, I want to bring Chris. She vouched for you. She, Cause you know, Sugarland was a very closed environment. Right. So you can imagine like, even though we had a record deal up there at the time, there was nobody in that town that had a record deal that didn't live there. Right. Right. And, and our manager was in like California and like there was, if you wanted to just send me like a, a note to say hello, they, you didn't even know where to send it. Right. You know, the people at the record company didn't even know where I lived in Atlanta, hmm. <laughs> you know, it was kind of odd. So we were a bit of a closed system. And um, 
what was good about that is that we were coming with ideas. Like we'd come with songs like two thirds of the way done and we'd go, man, you know, who'd be great to finish this song? Bobby Penson or Lisa Carver or you right, know, Tim right. Owens. Like, Hey man, Tim, we got this idea and here's how it goes. And he's like, wow. And then what you can do is you're getting a different part of that songwriter now. You're getting the part of them that's been a craftsman for 20 years. Right. Right. And, and they can come in and they can make the thing that you've got that's good into great. And, and automatically, not only are you attached to it because it was your song to begin with, but it, you, it's your story already. And right. they don't have to fish around and pre-sell you a story or try to get around it in any kind of way. So we learned how to um, lean on the songwriting skills of the town, even though it was only a few people to punch up what, you know, at sometimes were very mediocre ideas or I'd, things. And these people would just like, woo, they'd be up on, on, on the water suddenly. Right. So how many, how many awards have y'all won as, as a band Sugarland and, and when, or you personally as a, as a songwriter, I, 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 I wanted to count them all, but I was like, no, nah, I ain't going to count them. I want to see if he knows the exact <laughs> it's number. It's a lot. It's enough to feel good about yourself. Do you um, have a, like a cabinet where you display no. these to, to show people when they come in that they better show some so shit. the front door. <laughs> yeah. Or the outside yeah, even, like in a locked cabinet outside the house. So like oh, it's people, like backlit. Yeah, know? when people walk up, they're like, I better put some respect It's like that thing. leg lamp in, in, a, in a Christmas story. Yeah. You can see it down the street. You can see, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's like out on the, because he's probably got a massive gate that, you yeah. can't even see his house, oh, so it's like it's like right outside, like on the post, <laughs> like the post of the of yeah. the brick. It's yeah. Grammys. You know, is there you, you just got to come kiss them before you come in. Yeah. Right, yeah. show your respect as soon as your address. Yeah, respect up. <laughs> you know what I do? I put them all in our little studio that I take artists to. That's a smart. That's a smart move. And here's why: is I it it was it's a thing that I saw that I repeat when I was. Um, in college down here, there was a, a little tiny songwriter club that was like a sandwich. It was like a bar that served sandwiches and the, you could get in for free. You'd have to pay, but the songwriters would play on Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And, um, it was the, one of the bars that the Indigo Girls started in. Right. And there's no stage. You stand on the floor in the corner and play your songs. And they had their first gold record bolted to the wall in there. Mm. And I would walk by it. And just walk by it. I, I wasn't even old enough to be in that bar. And I was like, holy crap, look at that. That's like a real. And there was something about the fact that it was possible because I I could like lean up against that thing and smoke a cigarette and try to pick up a girl. You know, like, like there's something real about it. And I was like, man, I got to make sure to remember that. Like the closer you are to something that can actually happen, the more you believe it's possible. Right. Right. So with that being said. Could you send me one of your Grammys so I can actually, you know what I mean? Like just clean from yeah. it and feel it. Osmosis. You need some Grammy just, petting? I do. I do. I yeah. want to rub the mega horn. Heavy Grammy the, petting. The gramophone. Grammy petting. You're getting a Grammy petting. Don't yeah, no, no bother me. I'm getting a Grammy petting right now. I like that. that should, that's an idea for an actual place for songwriters to go. Come get oh, your Grammy petting. That's petty. so good. <laughs> No, uh, I, you know, I had, I had CM, the CMAs. The first one came to my house 
Probably and, um, song of the year, the one that you stole from me. Yeah. It's probably that. You can brag about it. I yeah. actually have a thing at my house that says this was almost song of the year. Don't blink. It's almost song of the year, and then it wasn't, but I still like made my little trophy. Did you? Yeah. That's kind of sad. Uh, now, more about you, Christian, man. You, you, you actually won. I'd like to hear about what, what an actual winner the, goes through. Oh, my God. How does it feel to be an actual uh, winner? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, breaking me up. Um, oh, I, I realized I couldn't really, like, I wanted to leave them out because I leave out instruments in my house because I want my kids to feel like they, as long as they don't break them, I just want them, don't want them to be scared of them. Right. And so I put this, and, you know, I live in Atlanta, so really we wouldn't even tell a lot of the people who lived in the town what I was doing so that, you know, they didn't, they didn't get weird about it. It was just a job, right? And um, my we had uh, Camille was probably three, my daughter, and she just went to town one day with crayons on oh, the CMA. No mm. way! And because it's kind of acrylic, <laughs> so it grabs the it grabs the crayon yeah. colors, and it was a full on wow. full ass rocket by the time I stopped her, <laughs> and. I, I just kept it that way. Why oh, not? Wow. That's amazing. I would have yeah. too. Yeah. 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 Do you know? And it just know, reminds me that like <laughs> this stuff matters, but it doesn't really matter. Well, you but know it Dan Taminsky. You know who Dan Taminsky is. I do. Dan's very a well. great friend of mine. We had him on the show, and and Dan, when I went to his house first years ago, when I first went to his house, Dan uses a Grammy as a doorstop. He has fourteen oh, yeah, Grammys. That's totally. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally Dan, right? Yeah, and, and he used it as a wedge for his doorstop in his studio. <laughs> no no respect at all. He has 14 of them. I hate so to hear that crap, man. You know what I'm saying? I even told him that. He's got I said, they're lined up in the bathroom. Like, you know, I just told on Dan the toilet. That, yeah, I told him, I said, let me have those Grammys. <laughs> if you don't want them, give them to me. I will treasure these Grammys. Well, you know, I called, uh, you were, we were talking, we were trying to get him to bring all his Grammys with him to take a picture of us holding it. Yeah. And he wouldn't do it. He goes, I'm oh, man, they're in storage. They're in storage. I'm not going to travel <laughs> with it, you know. Man, there's no freaking way that if I had Grammys, that everybody ain't knowing I got Grammys. That's that's, that's the majority of my Instagram post. <laughs> it's just you, you and your great, you, yeah. me and my Grammy. Yeah, I'm writing a song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you travel this with microphone it. is shaped like a Grammy. <laughs> you you get a plane seat for it when you travel. You know. Like, yeah. 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 I buy an extra plane ticket for the for Grammy. My Grammy. Yeah. People come out and say, "What's that? That's my Grammy." Oh, you know, by the way, I, Marty Ray, Grammy winner. <laughs> by, by the way, Marty Ray. They're like, what'd you do? I was uh, added to a song with five other writers. One, I got a Grammy. <laughs> and I'm happy about that. You know, the, the coolest thing I ever saw about that stuff was very early on. You know, I was telling you that story about Billy Pilgrim when we went to work with Hugh Padgham in London. And he invited us over to his house to eat dinner one night. And, and you know, in London, they're all flats. They're not really houses. And. I go to his flat and I'm like, well, you know, this is a legendary, this guy produced records that I'm like the biggest fan of on earth. Like I'm screaming little 12 year old girl suddenly with all the records he's made. And I go into his house and it's just absolutely not full of what you think it should be full of. <laughs> and at some point I was like, you know, which way is the restroom? And they're like the loo. And I'm like, yes, the loo. And, uh, so I go to the restroom and I go in and it is floor to ceiling his awards. I love that. That's my kind of guy right there. And I was like, you know what? Yes, I should remember this. Yeah. So my whole career has been like a series of like 
take the good information with you of these people that are trying to keep it in perspective. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what, though? I think that there's there should be a, a comfortable balance between being able to display your awards and being proud of what you what you've done. What that because if it's me, I'd be like, hey, look what look what God and I have done together. That's what I would be saying mm-hmm. to everybody. God gave me a gift. This is what it, this is what I've done with it. And then, but not being like, hey, respect me. You know what I mean? Like here, you better you better bow down to me. That type of thing. Because there's some people are there's like they're either they're a lot of times they're either or they're either. How, you better respect me because I've done all this. Or they're like, I don't really care. Like, they're like, Dan, those are just in storage. No big deal. I think there right. should be a happy, should be more people. You seem like you're in the, the happy medium where it's like, yeah, well, they I matter. Think a, I but, think you, I think you, yeah, you surround yourself. Like, if you're at home and you have a desk, like where I'm sitting right now, like I have some things on the wall, like, like the things I have on my wall that are important that I look at, like, the coolest thing I got is this Grammy certificate right there mm-hmm. is a nomination. We didn't win it, but I'm really proud of that. And I, I look at it every day to remind myself that like, look, man, that crazy idea you had, that's legit. That's mm, for a song called right. life in a Northern town, which is a, like an eighties cover that we did with little big town and Jake Owen. And we did it as a, a way to close the show one night. It was by a band called Dream Academy, which was like this crazy one hit wonder from England. And but I loved the song because it was a story of a town shutting down. Right. And we played it at a show, sent it to CMT as a thank you for putting us on tour. And then they put it on the television and then radio stations started playing it. Like this was not even supposed to happen. It wasn't wow. even supposed to get released. Right. And then we find out that the Grammys nominated it for a Grammy. And I was like, okay, okay. Never forget. Right. Do things for the right reasons. And, and so, you know, and I, uh, my newest thing here, let's brag a little. I'll brag for you. Come on yeah, now. Come on now. Humble brag. Humble, this is, this is a brag brag. Uh, this is a letter from Jimmy Carter. No way. That I got on October 3rd of 2020. Very cool. What's it for say? his birthday? It's thank you for the wonderful performance you recorded for my birthday. It was a wonderful surprise, and the song you wrote for me and performed was beautiful. I appreciate your kindness and your willingness to help bring attention to the sustainability of this wood through the world tree. So he planted a bunch of trees on his property in South Georgia um, 10 years ago, and the trees grow back from their stumps hmm. when you cut them. It's particular kind of tree and they cut them down and made instruments out of them and they sent me an instrument and i oh, no, wrote a song on oh, it. i was supposed awesome. to just play a cover and it moved me so much that i was sat here and i wrote a song this year and they said will you play for president carter's birthday and i was like holy crap of course i will yeah that's <laughs> you awesome know? and so i did and i recorded and i was like hey guys i'm sorry i know you wanted me to play like baby girl or something but i ended up writing this song and i sent it to you i hope i hope it's great you know, I hope it brings you a little bit of joy. It was really about that guy and what he was probably thinking sitting on his porch, looking at those trees. Right. Right. But it's that, that's the same thing that that life in a Northern town reminds me of. Like when you get achievements like that, you get a chance to open your mouth and do something. Anything's possible. You just got to have the, the hardest part is the beginning of getting past. I don't want to do this, but I, or I, I think I'll fail at this or no one's going to listen to this or this is going to be stupid. No one's going to care. Once you get past that, anything's possible. You think the hardest part is the beginning. I've always said 
the hardest part is the finishing because like everybody seems to start but no not many people finish is what it seems like to me but that's interesting that you because i know a lot of people they start a lot of things and they have a lot of gumption and, and they got the go-getter attitude but then when times get a little tough they say I, it ain't gonna work, and they give up. You know that's what I—that's my experience. So it's—it's it's interesting. Yeah, you kind of not—you got to not give up. Yeah, right? that's all. I mean, you that's my do. motto: is just don't give up. Don't give up, man. Yeah. That's it. That should be on a t-shirt. Don't give up. Well, maybe I'm it sure is. it is. <laughs> I'm sure that's on a t-shirt yeah. somewhere. Maybe a Rocky shirt. Anyway, um, <laughs> so did that answer your question about where the? Yeah, where you keep your awards? That does answer my question, and I'm so honored and, and thankful that. You showed us something that on the wall. I always love it when artists and, and like fighters, we have fighters on this show. And uh, uh-huh. I'm all, I am always love it when I hear somebody that's like big time, like a legend like you and and uh, some of these fighters and these people that like what's what's hanging on your wall. What you're most proud of is something that you didn't write. You didn't write it. You know what I'm saying? You, it was a cover. Right. And uh, so you're not really it's almost like you're not even bragging about your own you're bragging on somebody else's song, but the fact that you took the idea and sent it, it was, it's, it's because it's the, it wasn't what you, it, you didn't expect anything to happen from that. From mm. Like, like I became a fan of a, of a fighter named Steven Thompson because of a loss that he had because of the way oh, he, tell me more the way he, well, the way he, he, he lost this fight he had never lost and he lost this fight and he got knocked out and he woke up in the hospital and he was smiling he was like, man, what happened? Found out he lost. He was still smiling. He took it so well. And then that became viral, how well he took that loss. And I was like, this is my kind of dude, man. I, I could learn something from this guy of how to, how, to, how to be happy in defeat as well. So then I became a fan of his ended up getting him on the show. So that's kind of like – not oh, that's that so you, cool. Not that you got defeated in that, but it wasn't like – what's hanging on your wall is not something that's like, hey – this is baby girl, or this is this is stay. This is this is like I had a big part of this, but you had a small part of that that's hanging on your wall. But that's one of your most prized achievements. I think that's amazing to me. I love that. I love when I hear things like that. So that's great, thank you man. for being the cool, one of the cool guys. <laughs> you know. Now, last thing, and we're gonna let you go in a minute because I know you're about to go write a another hit. And I'll, I'm hoping that he'll text me and uh, let me get cut in on it. Let you be a part of it. Yeah, yeah come on in. Yeah, I just want to write a couple words, and that's it. And then get get the cut in and just start collecting checks. It's for the show, Christian. It's for the show. <laughs> a um, word for a third. Yeah, a word for a third. Yeah, that's a, is that a real thing? I hear that all the time in songwriting. Yeah. Well, they say it all the time. But does it really happen? Has it ever happened in a songwriting uh, meeting? Does somebody come in and, and, and say, now, here's, now this, is where, this is where this get good. And they go, instead of saying this what if you said that and then do they now get truly a third of the song it just depends it depends on who, who you're writing with i i mean i i have actually been in co-writes to where they didn't have any song any word in the well, song and they got the other, than, other than the artist though because <laughs> uh, if it's an artist it makes sense because they want to add their name to it, right? Over, you know, that time. I'm talking about just their actual, like, not somebody that's an artist that comes well, in. Nash, it's different. And I'll tell you, uh, it, it's a different thing in, uh, you know, probably in Atlanta, LA, Nashville. There's actually a different etiquette thing that happens that, that is, and even New York, like Nashville, if you write with someone, 
usually no matter what, if you're writing a song and you're all there, you're all getting, no matter if, if they have anything, if uh, you're going to get the same percentage. Now, Just by being in the room. Yeah. In, in L.A. and New York, sometimes you know the percentage before you even walk in. Hmm. Kind of like Dan had no percentage on Hey Brother. Right. Which, I, which I actually, he didn't write that. He just sang no, it. No, no, he just sang it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, were, you were in a game. You're, you're a character in a game. Called, oh, my God, yes. Called My Singing <laughs> Monsters. What is that? You've heard of this? No. What yeah. is apparently a popular <laughs> game that I've not heard of. It's a very popular game. Uh, Christian's it's a, a character. It's a game. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, like a, an iPad or iPhone game. And uh, my kid was playing it, and it was legitimately Father's Day. And I was slightly annoyed, as I always am, when my children are looking at screens instead of the world around them. Yeah, me too. So I, I, I come in with varying degrees of either shame or humor. Like either, There are different ways that I use to try to wrestle their attention away. And this time I decided I was in one of those like, okay, involve me. Teach me what you're playing. Tell me what you're doing. Like, show me the game. And suddenly, you know, my son was like, oh, cool. I'm going to teach dad the game. So I sat down and he's like, well, you got these monsters and they come out as, and, and you try to crossbreed the monsters and then they create different monsters. And each monster, when they're hatched, they, they have a noise that they make, right? And then as they, they create, as all of them get on each island, they make an entire song and you can hear like the bass part and the drummer. and the, oh, That's pretty cool. Wow. Different things. And so you kind of obsessively try to keep breeding, crossbreeding all these little monsters to make the right, make the complete sound. And you started and, um, playing this like crazy, didn't you? Well, I got interested in it and I was like, huh. And as usual, you know, I just like write to whatever's in the world, in the room. And so I started writing lyrics to these songs for fun, just to kind of play around with my kid. Wow. And then as we were in the middle of it, I was cooking them breakfast because um, I'd gone through a divorce. So I was like in way single dad space at the time. And, and um, I was cooking them breakfast and I, I ended up just getting on Twitter and I was like, who, who makes that game Tucker? And he was like, it's called, and he spelled it out to me like big blue something. And I was like, okay. And I tweeted them like, Hey, at big blue bubble game, whatever. Um, if you ever need lyrics to your, my singing monsters, I'm your guy. And I was just kind of being silly. I even showed Tucker that I sent it, you know, and sure enough, like four hours later, Hey, we'd love to have you. Wow. And then I was like, would. really? That's so then awesome. as usual, because I do crazy stuff, I like chased it all the way down. <laughs> so they were like, okay, look, how about we make a monster that looks like you that has like a little hat? Cause at the time I was, I was probably in fedora land and I kept changing my hat in sugar land. I was so I shocked tell that you don't, didn't have a fedora on when you did this interview, to be honest. But Oh no. I mean, those are kind of, that's true. Well, you can make it. He just wear them underneath. Here's a man who wore a fedora or two. He knows. Yeah. 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 But uh, it's it, it became a thing. They put me in the show and then or in the game, and I'm in the first level of the game. So you visit me very early in your kind of thing, and so we then I started to have a solo career not long after, like two years later, and they decided to incorporate my first single, which was weirdly coming out in London first, and. Uh, they put it in there and I have a, a monster version of the song in my singing monsters, but it's way up. Like you have to get to like level 13 or 50 or something to get to it. 
And so still to this day, I have like different age kids like all over my YouTube page going, oh my gosh, you're like that dude from the the monster from My Singing Monster. I'm like, actually, that I am the I monster. I am that dude. <laughs> wow. And I am the That's monster. That's awesome. And the, the only thing that ever really got weird was hearing my son be like, Dad, I've been trying to breed you all day. <laughs> How do I breed you, man? <laughs> and then that I was like, oh, I don't know how to process this. <laughs> We're going to just move on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now's a good time to talk about the birds and the bees, son. <laughs> Dad doesn't oh need your gosh. help breeding. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you came along. <laughs> That's how you got here. Now, before you go, if, if you uh, would, if you would, care to you don't have to i don't i don't i would i I was about to say i don't care if you do or not but i actually do care uh do you have anything you can play on that get to lately uh from dark water oh yeah sure can you play something from dark water dark water music yeah oh let's get weird you know i'd rather sit uh dark water music is kind of like strange hippie music well it's not strange will you play whatever you want to play us on that get 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 to lately whatever matches it you should we should play you this man because this is you this you like this they say this town stars stay up all night this is the sad bearded version of the song man don't know i'm gonna cry ain't see for the glow of the neon lights and it's a long way from here to the place where the home fires burn Two thousand miles, one left turn. Dear mom and dad, please send money. I'm so broke, it, it ain't funny. I don't need much, just enough to get me through. Please don't worry, cause I'm alright. Playing here at the bar tonight. This time I'm gonna make our dreams come true. I love you more than anything in the world Love your baby girl There you go. Man, I'm legitimately <laughs> crying. That's awesome. I promise you, when I said that song meant a lot to me, it does. You don't know me. You don't know my journey, but... It does mean a lot to me. So thank you for playing it. I appreciate it. Absolutely. That. And and by the way, there's something really cool about being able to pay pay, pay your parents back for everything you borrowed. Man. And you know, oh, they'll yeah. never take it. No matter how much you try. They'll be like, no, 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 don't do that. And but I mean, my own kids, if they were to ever try to yeah, there's no way. I'd be like, no, you keep that. You but I think it, as a song, it kind of told the story of what we wanted the band to be. And all the songs I ever write are wishes. They're not, you know, like, you ever want to pitch a song to me? (laughs) Make sure it's a wish. (laughs) Right, right. Because I don't need to tell you about something that's happened. I want to make a wish on something that I want to have happen. Mm. Man. But that's what that was. That was the wish we had. And we didn't know each other well, but we had that in common, you know? Oh, that was cool. It's very, very cool, man. And and thank you for doing that. You're such a cool fella. I'm so glad that you are. 
Um, Chris said he was horrible. He said he was a horrible <laughs> human being. I did. And, yeah, uh, I was like, man, you know. And uh, Jared, we hate each other. Yeah. And he said, I, he, he said, you're you're gonna hate this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and Jared said the same thing. He's like, I don't even know him. I already hate him. him. But yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I said, no, I'm going to love this guy. I'm going to love him. No. He, Chris spoke highly about you. Jared don't know you, but he does now. Yeah. And I hope he will go listen to some of the greatest music that's ever been written, in my opinion. And uh, we end every show with an unbelievable fact, Christian. Okay. This is a very short one. You might think it's not true, but I assure you that it is. It's hard to believe it's an unbelievable fact. A hippo's mouth opens wide enough to fit a sports car in. That's the truth. Wow. Yep. We think about that's that. That's a big hippo. That is. That's 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 uh, the facts. Like a, a Mazda Miata? Like a sports car. I don't well, know what it, they didn't well, say. You know. the, the fact <laughs> didn't say what size car. I don't know if it's a Corvette or... Is it a Mini? Uh, MG. <laughs> is it electric? Maybe we should go find a hippo to put a sports car in her mouth. Yeah. That's the next that. next episode. Right on. Thank you so much, Christian. Too, and uh, th- thank you for uh, for coming and doing this. We really appreciate you ha- having you and everything. And it's just been awesome. It's been awesome. And also, and I ask this. Thank- every, I ask this at the end of every episode. And uh, I don't even have to ask you because I already know. But uh, I like to adopt people as my cousin. So can I can I adopt you as my cousin? Absolutely. I, I I don't even know most of my family tree. So yes, you can just add yourself right in. All right now. I'm going to send the paperwork, and I'm going to change my last name to Bush. <laughs> and when you get the money from the mess up, remember your cousin. Oh, yeah. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> Release the campaign. I may call you, you. I may need you to go do some interviews for me. Let's do it. Because they may not trust me. They'd be like, I don't know, man. You're a little too city-fied. Yeah. Maybe, maybe let me let maybe me go we'll get, and be as country as I can know to be. Oh, exactly. I'll go with beans in the beard. What was it? <laughs> what, what, I have a question real quick. When was the last time you opened a can of Bush's baked beans? That's all he eats. No, I doubt it. <laughs> you, here, I, I'm going to tell you this because we're at the end. Yeah. So you know, you work your whole life, you get the, and they crawl all the way up this entertainment thing, and eventually you sometimes end up on the Oprah show. Right. And so finally, I ended up at Oprah at the top of Oprah, like it before she opened up her own place. Wow. You know, her own. And we were like we were there twice in a year. And the first time they were like, look, you're you're representing country music and you're representing all the stuff you got. We're going to pre-interview you like 17 times when you pictures of your kids and (laughs) all the stuff. And I get up on stage and she even sits next to me during like the the break in the audience. And then you get up out of the audience, you go sit down on the thing. I get up there and she's talking to Jennifer and she looks over at me and she's like, so, and I'm like thinking, you know, I'm going to answer this about my kids. I'm going to answer that. She's like, so you're from the Bush beans family. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I figured that was the case too. Right. It was, it was coming. And then she said, so, you know, tell me a little bit about that. And I was like, and I was so kind of, deflated and surprised that I became deeply honest very quickly. I was like, you know, weirdly enough, I grew up around them. So I don't really like them. Is that, is that the Uh truth? Like you don't like them now? It's well, I know what goes in there. Yeah, yeah, oh, wow. it's probably oh. well. It's probably it's, there's a lot. <laughs> got, it's well, a lot, <laughs> and and they, and they are very good. They're, and it's because they're both sweet and salty. Yeah, and that's why that's why your brain is like firing off like you've just had a Reese's peanut butter cup, but the bean version, and um, 
I don't eat them much. I are you really saying, don't. Are you trying to tell us right now that there's cow penises in bush baked beans? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 not at all. That's, that's, but no, no. Uh, I was hoping there was. But, <laughs> you know, you buy the size cans that are like this, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, when, as a family, you know, they would send home the these size cans. Yeah, oh, right. Wow. Yeah, the big ones. Yeah. Like, yeah. These are the ones that you probably send to like, you know, the cafeterias and the mm-hmm. different things they serve them. And so once you've opened one of those cans, it's not the same anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh. So literally, if you could if you could nail it down in age, when was the last time you ate bush baked beans? I think I did it and I smiled about it. About the time Bushes started advertising at the fanfare or uh, what CMA Fest, so probably 20, 2012, 2013. Okay, right. right I, I think I grinned through it. Wasn't happy about it. Well, uh, you know, when when I'm like, man, I'm making me some food right now. That's not on my list. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. I'll tell you what. Anytime I get barbecue or got barbecue at home, I want bushes, baked beans, and I dip my fries in the beans. Yeah, I, I love like that. Yeah. Kick them up and put other stuff in and put them in the oven. It's the same oh. stuff as like ketchup. You know, it's both salty and sweet, yeah. and that's so why good. your brain loves it. Man, my brain loves it. And you could tell me that you could tell me that anything was in it, and I'm still gonna eat it. <laughs> You saw, you heard, I but eat dog I, biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I love the sativa dog biscuits. I like yeah, that, yeah. that you've got a little bit of like legalized dope sprinkled on the top of it. That's right. We only we only eat almost organic here. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Seems like organic. Uh, yeah. All right, Christian, we're going to let you go. And if you ever need somebody to write a song with, I know that you're struggling right now. Call me. Call Chris. You've already wrote with Chris. Uh, I need a Grammy. I'm begging for a Grammy. So bad I need a Grammy. You know what? I'm actually on the board. Really? The Grammys. And I can I can tell you, A, how hard it is to have won the Grammys I did. I can't believe I even got that far. But B, I can actually help you try to get there. So I'm going to send if you, you some songs. I need your email. I gotta, no, no. We're, gonna, we're not going to get it the way you think, though. We're going to find out, like... I think maybe what you should, well, we'll talk about this offline so we don't let out the cat. Don't, don't let <laughs> no, the secret right. out. Now, not just like that bush baked beans. Don't let the That's secret right. out. We got something Day special starting. I feel something. I'm about to have a Grammy wall. Man. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to even put Christian Bush underneath every one of them. <laughs> They're going to be held on my wall by a can of Bush's baked beans. Bush baked beans. Yeah, baby. Instead of those cinder blocks, it's just cans of beans. That's all cans the of beans. The industrial size. Golden cans right. of Bush beans. Yeah, those are good. With the yeah. Grammy on top. Christian, I love you to death. God bless you. <laughs> I love y'all. Thank you so much for doing this show. You are a dream, and I'm so happy about it, my friend. Thanks, y'all. It's, it's a pleasure being here. Bye. Thanks, Christian. Ah, thank y'all so much for listening to the Marty Ray Project Chats. And a big thank you to Rode for supplying the sound with Rodecaster Pro. Whether you like what you heard or hated what you heard, subscribe and rate us anyway. Let us have it. <laughs> <laughs>